Welcome to the Catholic Influencers Podcast. It's a blessing to be with you again this week where we're going to explore the Word of God, open up what the Scriptures have to say for us this weekend so that when we go to Mass, when we watch Mass online, when we reflect on the Word of God, we can understand it better, go deeper in it. It is such an amazing opportunity for me to be joined with Alyssa today. How are you doing, Alyssa? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. I always start a little bit too enthusiastic for, for people. You've had your coffee. It's great. <laughs> I did, I did. Look, it's uh, for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, I have it here, yes. And you, did you have a coffee this morning? I did, a few hours ago, so it's probably time for the next one. But I've got a little muffin waiting for me after this as a treat. It's gonna be oh, great. good, after all the hard work. <laughs> That's I I love um I, I intermittent fast so I don't eat until about 4 p.m. 5 p.m. so, so good, but I it? drink coffee and I I don't get hungry I'm used to it now your body, but yeah your body's used to it yeah but uh, I'm uh, coffee is what sustains me early in the morning <laughs> and so anything exciting happened to you um, has been happening yes well lockdown I feel like it's going really fast we've passed the halfway point if we if mm. we stick to the date that we're told we're going to come out of lockdown. But over the weekend, I celebrated my husband's birthday. And so, yes, it was different because we were locked at home, but um, set up a nice little surprise, got him a bike. He was very happy. He's out riding now. I'm sure he'll be back soon. But um, (laughs) yeah, that was fun. That's (laughs) good. Does he have to wear a mask when he rides a bicycle? No. So actually, the first day he went out, he did wear, he's been wearing a bandana because he's too cool for a mask. (laughs) And... um, he came back and he hated it. But then yes. I, I told him that he didn't have to because if you're doing like strenuous exercise, like like running running or cycling, you don't have to wear a mask. And he said, oh, oh well, that's okay. changed everything. So he went for another ride. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I go, I, I go out, um, I do my weight training, but then I go out, take the dog for a walk and I'm wearing a mask, um, even though I don't see or speak to anyone. Mm. So it's just, it's interesting. I look like a gangster. <laughs> Fun. Have you seen those masks or the patterns? Is your mask patterned, or are you just a plain black mask? Well, person? the one. No, it's a plain a plain black mask that I have, and then I have uh, the surgical masks when I go to meet people. For yeah. example, when I go, I have to go out somewhere. I wear a surgical mask, but when I'm going for a walk, I wear a little bit of a cooler mask. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to risk when being around people. It's always surgical. Just being careful. Yeah, extra for sure, careful. For sure. So um, what we'll do is we'll go straight into the scripture. Um, I think we're on the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time, a time where we continue to delve into the book of Matthew, which is an incredible book, a book written by St. Matthew, but a book written with one intention, with one audience in mind, and that was to the Jews. John was written to the Gentiles, um, so he emphasized the miracles. You know, Mark was written to a persecuted community, so there's a lot of emphasis on the suffering of Jesus. Um, There's some Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, uh, well, I missed one out, Luke. Luke. (laughs) Luke was written, actually, did you know that Luke was not one of the apostles? No. Yeah, so he wasn't one of the apostles. He actually came. I think came I'm confusing much... Luke from for Matthew. Oh, yeah, I'm so go Luke, that Matthew up. was an apostle. He was chosen. He was a tax collector. No, um, but Luke didn't. Never even saw Jesus. He never met Jesus. 
He was a doctor and basically he went around interviewing people, including Mary, we think, um, and he wrote it from a more scientific perspective. In fact, it's Luke is the most well-written of the Gospels. But here we're Matthew. Matthew was written for a converting Jewish community, people who are Jews, who knew the law, who knew um, the Jewish law, and now they're transitioning, they're converting to um, following Jesus. So just pay attention even as we read this gospel. And I, something, a point we can bring out is, is why Matthew is saying the things that he's saying and why he's emphasizing the things that he's emphasizing here. So, Alyssa, I'm going to hand over to you to proclaim the gospel for us. Okay, so this week's reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Amen. Amen. It's a beautiful gospel. It's a sort of a, a, a struggle. There's a lot of struggle there. And I just I always like to start this by giving us a little bit of pretext and then context. Pretext is where it comes from. The, the um, sort of what happened before the actual context is that last week we read the gospel of um, Jesus trying to get away. Something big happened and he was sad. Um, John the Baptist, his cousin, was beheaded. He was sad. He wanted to get away. So he goes to this place and all of a sudden 5,000 men and then plus the women, plus the children, possibly more than 15,000 people all of a sudden come and follow him and he, st he feeds the 5,000 as the miracle of the loaves and the fish. And finally, now these guys leave. And he sends the, we'll talk about this, why he sends the apostles away first. And he's finally alone again. He finally gets to be alone again. So there's this uh, place that he's, he's in, in this place of, of grief, in this place of suffering. But yet he continues to reach out to people. And yeah, so we come to this, uh, his, Jesus' feelings are so important as well in the interpretation of, of where this is all at that he needs to be with the Father. So, yeah, let's talk about context. Tell us a little bit about that, about where we are. Where we are. So Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000, and so all those people had gone away, and so Jesus wanted to get that time that he missed out on having um, when the 5,000 people came to him, as you and Georgia discussed last week. 
So what he did was he sent the disciples alone across the Sea of Galilee and he gave himself that opportunity for prayer again. So then mm. the, disciple, the, the disciples the disciples, were yeah. struggling with the weather. Um, and so by the time the morning had come, the disciples weren't at the destination that Jesus thought they would be. So Jesus actually went out himself to go and meet the disciples. Yeah. And so this is, but why, why do you think he sent the disciples away first? Why, why did he not tell them, okay, come and pray with me? He wanted to send, there was a reason, there's a reason here why Jesus didn't want his disciples there. He sent them out before even the crowd was dispersed. So he was, I think they were talking about, they really wanted to make him king and they, it was a really yeah. revol revolutionary thing and Jesus didn't want that. And so he sent them away so that they could not do what he didn't want them to do. Exactly. So we get this information from the book of John. So if you go to John and they talk about the 5,000s, what happened was the people started to um, started a revolution. They were about to start a revolution. They were going to force Jesus to become their king. And he knew, Jesus knew that the disciples, if the disciples got into this, this would be trouble. Okay, Because the disciples didn't understand Jesus and who Jesus was and what Jesus' purpose was. They didn't understand that he was going to die. They still see, saw him as this revolutionary. And so not to cause trouble so that he could escape and so that these disciples, these troublemaking disciples wouldn't get into in the way. He sends them away. He gets them out of the way. He says, like, guys, go, go. I'll deal with this. And what he does is he disperses the crowd. The scripture doesn't say how. And then he goes away. He goes to pray until 3 a.m. And uh, eventually these disciples get onto the boat and they go to the other side. But Jesus sees that they're in trouble. He sees them um, uh, struggling, trying to get to the other side. And what happens here? So this is like a, a moment where I think Jesus reveals his true identity and his true divinity to the disciples. And a lot of the scholars actually describe this moment as a moment of theophany, which is like a dramatic encounter um, with God involving like a moment where you can really feel his power and his presence. It's like the veil of his true identity or his true divinity is like lifted for a moment and the disciples realize who Jesus really is. Yeah. Um, one thing so there I are a few of those, these theophany moments, like there was the beginning of it in the miracles, you know, like the wedding at Cana, there's a, that's the beginning of the theophany of Jesus as a miracle worker. There's a, a theophany um, in the transfiguration. That's a big theophany. That's a big, but this one, this, this, this is a very important moment. Because it's talking about, um, you know, Jesus fulfilling the Jewish scriptures and he is the Messiah. And so mm. the reason like they, they finally figured that out. So when Jesus is walking to them on the water at that time, the disciples, a lot of people, they, they lacked the scientific um, knowledge or the understanding about why storms would occur around a lake. And so bodies mm. of water were considered to be something evil. So the disciples are looking out to the water and they can see this person walking on the water. And because they're thinking the bodies of water are evil, I mean, it's, it makes sense as to why they would think that Jesus was a ghost. And it's why they, yes. they were scared. I think the, the gospel talks about they were, they were afraid. But then Jesus reveals his divinity to them and he reveals who he is by saying do not be afraid it is i and yes. so the disciples are reassured by the master's voice um it also correlates to how you know god spoke to moses in the burning bush by saying i am and then also talking about um the great i am which is how um which is which pops up a lot in the yeah. um, old testament 
Yeah, it says I am who I am. I am. I sort of, it's not I will be. The, the word I am is a whole theology in itself. It is I am the creator. I am the one who makes all things. I am everything around which everything revolves. Um, so that, that was a, a big statement there. It's a big statement. It, it, it is I. I am. He's basically this theophany, part of the theophany, is also proclaiming that he's part of of uh, he is divine he's that's a revelation he's telling them hey i am god basically and so it was a big statement even those little words and this is where it's important where we talked about earlier on the comparison with moses matthew only writes this because he needs to write this because his audience are big super fans of moses they think moses is the is the king they think moses is 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 the real deal but what Matthew is trying to say, hey, is Moses is great, he's awesome, but he's nothing compared to Jesus. Yes. So, and this is, and he's doing this by showing through the scriptures one miracle, one episode after another, comparing him to Moses. This is an episode where he's being compared to Moses. How so? Because when Moses, um, Moses part of the Red Sea, but Jesus but, is walking on the sea. Yeah, exactly. Woo! Sort of the same. <laughs> sort of Moses spotted the sea. That's great. My Jesus, he walks on the sea. <laughs> you know, like he's saying, look, look, Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus, Moses gave the sermon on the mount. Jesus gave, sorry, Moses got the um, the commandments from the mountain. Jesus gave the sermon on the mount, where in all the other gospels, there's no mountain. It's the Sermon on the Plains. Mm. So he's in a valley, but he's Matthew's emphasizing the comparison to Moses. And not only that, when he's walking on the water, he's proclaiming that he is greater than Moses by saying that theophanous word, I am. I don't know if that theophanous is a, even a word. I like it. <laughs> yeah. But he's saying like, I am. So he's again saying how much greater he is than Moses. And again, because he's writing to the Jews. If John wrote that, it wouldn't mean much because their audience weren't Jewish. His audience wasn't Jewish. But he needed, um, Matthew needs to say this because of the audience he's addressing. Back to the story. 3 a.m. Jesus is walking on the water. Yes. What are the disciples? Yeah, tell us a little bit more about this. Um, so Jesus is walking on the water and the disciples don't know who he is. And then Peter asks Jesus, if it's really you, Lord, tell me to mm. tell me to come out and meet you. And so Jesus did say that. Jesus said, come. And now we can move into kind of Peter's response. So Peter responds to Jesus' call. It's like he's sharing in his divine power. He steps out onto the water and God's grace enabled him to do the impossible for a little while. So Peter was walking on the water towards Jesus but then he noticed the storm. He took his eyes off Jesus. And mm. then what happened? And then he starts to sink. He starts to sink. <laughs> but it's not a failure yeah, at the end of the day. We'll talk about, a little bit about this. But you see, this is, again, to come to what Jesus is telling us. You see, because that's the Logos, the Word of God. Okay, so we are at here and during this podcast, we're talking about the Logos, the Word of God in context, pretext. But there's also another Greek word, Hermatos Christi. Okay, so that means the word of God spoken to us. So, okay, this is an episode that happened 2,000 years ago. But what is the eternal word, Hermatos Christi, that Jesus is talking to our hearts now? In the first part, he's saying that, look, you're going to go through a storm. 
you're going to go through difficulties. You're going to go through times where you, you don't feel that you can do it. You feel overwhelmed, rowing against the wind, and the wind of, of life comes your way. But the thing is, what he's saying here is that Jesus is going to walk towards us through the storm. He comes to us, and when he does come to us, what happens to the storm? It calms down. It goes away because our eyes are no longer like Peter, even later on in a few verses down. His focus went back onto the storm again. He lost sight of Jesus. This is our spiritual journey, isn't it? Like we believe in God one moment, then something comes our way and we start to doubt that we believed in something that we were so sure of before. All of a sudden, we're not so sure anymore. And Peter was so sure. Jesus Tell me and I'll come out to you. He was so sure. But then a little breeze comes, touches his cheek and he starts to sink. But then in that moment when he realized that he was sinking, he immediately cried out to God, Lord, save me. And Mm. Jesus instantly stretched stretched out his hand. And so even though Jesus questioned his unbelief, you know, ye of little faith, Jesus still encouraged stronger faith when the next trial came, you know, and Jesus didn't let Peter down. And so this correlates to our life as well. Um, The minute that we we take our eyes off God, the minute we turn back to God, Jesus instantly picks us back up again. Yes, that's the struggle. That's life. You see, Jesus, Peter held on. He clutched on to Jesus. And we can see that as a failure. We talk about Peter sinking, but actually it's not about Peter sinking. It's about Peter sinking, but coming out as a champion, coming out as a saint, because he learned to trust in Jesus through the storm. It is easy to have faith when there are no storms. It is easy to have faith when everyone around you believes. It is easy to have faith when you never go through a crisis in your life. And it's easy to believe in God when you don't go through tragedy and you start to think, where is God? But a person who does have faith is someone like Peter, who gave it his all, maybe without thinking, because that was the guy Peter was. He always (laughs) sort of gave in. He never counted the cost of everything he did. And we see that as well later on where he says, Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. But just next minute, he denies <laughs> Jesus. And so, uh, again, so he maybe didn't count the cost, but that's okay. You see, he was so enthusiastic, but that he came out stronger. He came out realizing that even in my failure, even in my mess, if I hold on to Jesus, I'm going to be able to keep going. I'm going to be able to walk, and I'm going to get back onto the boat. What is the boat? The church. Yes. <laughs> How amazing. I thought this was really interesting. Um, the symbolism of this story, like it's like the the boat or the ship is like is, is like the church and it's like an image of the church's mission to reach out and make Jesus present no matter how hostile, how stormy the situation might be. And even mm. though, you know, the leaders might be weak or vulnerable, like we've got Peter, um, even through this weakness and through this vulnerability, Jesus is not, the Lord doesn't allow the church to sink. Yes. And this is, God uses messed up people. 
And this is sometimes how people lose their faith because they look at the people, the messed up people, the people who 100%. act without thinking, the people who are over-enthusiastic but then don't have the strength to be holy as they proclaim to be, you know, and as they plan to be. And uh, But the thing is, what our eyes, where our eyes should be is on Jesus and Jesus will take us to the boat. But Jesus also tells us the boat can also symbolize the church, yes, but it also symbolizes comfort. You know, it symbolizes something that's going to a certain way to get us to the journey, which is the church. But Jesus tells Peter, what does Jesus tell Peter? Get out of the boat, not get out of the church. Don't interpret it this way, <laughs> but get out of your comfort zone. Go out into the deep, he tells the disciples, um, and become fishers of men, you know, like always. Jesus wanted always to make us uncomfortable. And so, but the focus of everything should be Jesus, through the storm, through the discomfort, even through our vocation, through our call to go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus, it is Jesus, it is his, it is his cross that is going to give us the calm that we need, the focus that we need. Definitely. Okay, I think we need to go, we'll shift, we'll go a little bit into our topic, we'll go a little bit into, we're going to talk, what are, what's the topic we're going to talk about? Bef uh, we'll talk about it, but we have a transition in between. We do. We're going to talk about faith and doubt, so. Faith and doubt. Ooh. Stick around. Okay, do you have a joke for us? I do. A joke <laughs> okay. Let's have you a better look. make us laugh. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm not really that funny. <laughs> All right, Father Rob. What time okay. did the man go to the dentist? Mm. I don't know what time. 2.30. <laughs> it's 2.30. 2.30. Okay, Ooh. I get it, I get it. There wah, we go. Wah. All right, this one's not really a question and answer one, but okay. I've got a great joke about construction, but I'm still working on it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> I'll try and find some better ones next time. How's that? No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> good work. But I think um, you're going to answer a question. Yes, so we get questions online. Um, so if you'd like Catholic Influencers, um, at Catholic Influencers um, underscore, uh, and that's on uh, social media, Instagram, or your podcast at frgministry.com. Uh, we have like a lot of questions being sent in. And what we're going to do throughout the podcast um, is answer a couple of questions. But I'm just going to deal with um, one question today, maybe possibly two. Um, so one of the questions we got from a person is, are episodes pre-recorded in one go and released later or recorded one at a time? One at a time. So before when I was recording with Danny and I was on the road all the time, we'd record four or five episodes in two days, in, in, in a day even. Um, to try and catch up. But now that we're here and that we keep, we've discovered sort of the Zoom generation, um, we um, record it every week, just a couple of days before it is recorded, because then it is sent to be edited and we edit the video and we don't eliminate anything. We just get rid of the, the extra noises and the, um, the, the funny, uh, uh, make the sound a little bit better quality for you to, to um, follow along. So they're recorded um, one at a time. Okay, so let's get into the topic. Faith and doubt. Yes. Do you ever doubt? Definitely. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Reveal! Oh gosh, I won't go into it fully, but there's been moments no, no. where I've wondered whether God exists or not when different things happen yeah. in my life. But I've always found those moments, I wouldn't... 
this is the cool thing. I wouldn't trade them. Like if I had to choose to go through them again, I would do it in a heartbeat because I think in those moments, that's where I I know that myself, I've experienced the most profound moments of growth. Mm. And like Peter, you see the moment of doubt when he was singing was the sinking was the moment that he found strength when he focused on Jesus. I doubt all the time. I do doubt. I doubt. Um, I don't doubt that Jesus exists. I don't doubt that God exists as much. Um, but I, I doubt what God is capable of doing, especially in my life. Mm. You know, I, I see God working miracles in the lives of people, but I, my doubt mostly comes from the fact that can Jesus actually do that for me? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I go through moments of doubt, doubt of what the church teaches, doubt of... So there's a lot of doubt, but it's okay. It's okay to doubt. Let's start with that, okay? Just because you go through doubt doesn't mean you don't have faith. Faith and doubt are not opposites. They actually work hand in hand. You cannot be a person of true and authentic faith if you don't experience doubt. Otherwise, that's what St. Paul as well says. He says, I walk by faith and not by sight. Okay, so it's about coming to this place of even through the doubt where you don't see, you can still keep walking and still keep trusting. Well, let's talk about faith. What is faith? Faith is, I guess, complete trust or confidence in someone or something, but it doesn't necessarily mean like you're going to understand everything perfectly. But in the context mm-hmm. of like our faith, if we bring our questions to God in a, in a disposition of trust, yeah. just like Mary did. Yes, it's about like walking through. It's a journey and it's something that you grow in. I, I love like faith is something that you have to build muscle for, isn't it? It's like you have to, to faith is a gift. Okay, not everyone has it, okay? And don't, you see, a lot of people around us, if, if you, especially if you live in the world, you're going to have a lot of people who don't have this gift of faith and don't feel bad about it. Just feel, understand that you are blessed if you do have faith because it is a gift. It is a gift that not everybody has, but with that gift comes a responsibility. Yes, Give us another example of another gift that comes with a responsibility. Um, we could bring it back to music because we're both musicians. Yeah. So, you know, we could talk about how we've kind of been given a natural talent. Um, mm-hmm. But that talent's not just going to, you click your fingers and it's going to work. You know, you've got you've to spend years practicing. You've got to spend years, you know, looking at other people who are doing what you're doing, learning from them. Um, it's, a, it's a constant decision to continue to grow in that gift. Yes, and the same with faith. So I can't just have faith and then expect it to grow. I have to study the scriptures. I have to surround myself with people who do have faith. I have to pray and grow in faith. It requires discipline to grow. And if if you just have faith and just use the the natural gift of faith, which is it is supernatural, but if you just go by the the gift itself, it will fade away. It will go away. Just like music. Just because you're a good musician, just because you have the gift of music, doesn't make you a good musician. Okay? You can have the most amazing gift, but if you don't discipline, if you don't work on it, if you don't work on the craft, then you'll never become a good musician. Fine, you can sing well. Fine, you will have the talent. You have a good musical ear. But if you don't work on it, you're never going to be able to craft music and you're never going to be able to influence others and you're never going to be able to grow as well yourself personally. And so again, this is faith. This is faith that we need to go um, grow in. 
Tell us a little bit about feelings. How important are feelings in faith? I think they are important, but they shouldn't be the the be all and end all. Mm. Absolutely. You see, faith faith are amazing indicators and and uh, but terrible guides. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So if you are uh, just because you have. Um, feelings come feelings go okay sometimes we feel God sometimes we don't sometimes we feel faith sometimes we don't faith is really good they're good they're good indicators but don't be led by feeling there's the thing you should be led by is the fact fact the fact God said it that's the number one thing now the fact that I have faith in the fact I believe the fact and sometimes the feeling will come and sometimes the feelings will go but I keep going in the fact that God said it. I go in the fact of God's promises, even through the doubt. So faith is also a discipline. And the discipline sometimes brings about, it's a relationship, okay? Maybe discipline is not the right word. It's a relationship. You know, sometimes you're married. I mean, do you feel all the time love? No. No. <laughs> I'm shaking my head on the, <laughs> listening on the audio. <laughs> yeah, no. But... Does it mean you don't love the person when you don't feel them? No. When you don't feel them? No, because love is an action, isn't it? Love That's is right. something, you, the fact that you're standing there, you're still there, <clears throat> even though you don't feel the love. So that's the same with faith. That's it. It doesn't mean you don't have faith just because you don't feel it. But feelings are good. How awesome it is when you do have that feeling. Oh my gosh, 100%. I was thinking about this um I studied for this podcast a few days ago and at the moment, I'm going to pull out a book now, at the moment I'm going through a um, 33-day consecration to divine mercy. The book's called 33 Days to Merciful Love and I'm towards the end, I'm only a few days away. But the day that I um, was going to study for this podcast, I opened the book in the morning and I went to read it and it was talking about this exact thing, um, moments of consolation and moments of desolation and that's mm. from saint ignatius of Loyola. ignatius yeah so these moments of consolation it's like times where we've we've basked in the rays of god's love we've we've seen this love we've felt the warmth of the rays of this sun but then there's also moments of desolation where you know dark clouds will creep in and cover up the sun and we stop we, we stop feeling the rays and you know we wonder if the sun is even up there at all these is like those moments mm. of doubt um so even though those those moments of consolation were very real and tangible experiences of God. We're so quick to forget them the minute, um, you know, doubt sets in and we, be, we start mm. to become discouraged. And, you know, we were talking about before the saints, you know, they, whenever they fell, they got back up again. And that's what um, St. Therese is talking about in this book, you know. Even though we all experience these moments of, of desolation and we think that saints don't experience this, they definitely do, but it's their response that makes them a saint. So during these moments of desolation, St. Therese clung to God's promise of mercy and the memory of his love, those moments of consolation, especially in the midst of darkness. She kept trying, she kept trusting. And that's the same as with what Peter experienced as well. Even though he doubted, um, he quickly realized, clung to Jesus and um, yes. got back up again. And exactly. So this is, again, the relationship of faith. It's a journey of faith, consolation, desolation, times where we feel close, sometimes we feel far away. And so I just want, I hope and I pray that you are all encouraged, that even through your doubt, uh, even through the mess, you see, cling on to Jesus, hold on to Jesus, look at the, the cross, look at Jesus, because Jesus is the one who's going to bring the calm in the storm. He's the one who's going to lift us up when we're in moments of doubt. 
And so I just hope that you were blessed by this podcast. I um, uh, also invite you to to be in touch with us, um, a podcast at frgministry.com, at catholicinfluencers underscore if you're on Instagram. Also, FRG Ministry are doing some new and exciting things, frgministry.com forward slash church online and we're soon going to start a new course um, specialized courses we have one called knowing mary so that's a seven series course that's going to help you know and love and understand mary more and more so you can check that out on our website frgministry.com anything else you'd like to add Elisa? i'm just going to add the challenge to the listeners this week So we've been talking a lot about faith and doubt and at all those platforms that Father Rob just mentioned, if you we would love to hear about if you've ever experienced a moment of doubt and how you've overcome that doubt. Yes, so leave either you can contact us via email or social media. We'd love, love, love to hear from you. If you have any questions also, we'll be more than happy to um, to answer your questions. So thank you once again. Thanks, Alyssa, um, for, you know, this is just, this is a podcast, but there's a lot of work that goes in the preparation that goes into this. Um, and I'm really grateful for you, Alyssa, for the hard work you put in and Georgia as well. Um, may God bless you. Let his face shine upon you. And we'll see you again, hear from you again next week. Bye, guys. Ciao.